Hi, I just wanted to let you guys know that this week's episode will be split into two parts. One airing right now, and then one will be airing next week. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. It's pretty amazing. Uh, welcome to the Dear Me, Love Me podcast. My name is Brooke Alpolzer, and usually this is the part where T would say, and I'm T Boyage, like a golf tee. However, T is not with us today. She's having some technical difficulties, but I'm really excited because I'm not doing this podcast alone today. I'm doing this podcast with the the Anderson sisters or the Anderstrong sisters, as I like to say on Instagram. <laughs> we have Angelisa here today, and we have her sister, Brienne. Um, so if you guys want to say hi, go ahead and say Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I just fine. So this is a podcast where usually T and I write letters to our past selves about what we wish we knew on a certain topic, though we wanted to take this opportunity, especially during this uh, time of the Black Lives Matter movement. And there's so many people wanting resources to have um, two incredibly strong and beautiful black women come onto our show and talk about a certain subject. So um, if either one of you want to say what the subject is, this week. Uh, go ahead. All right. So it is what I wish I knew as a black woman or girl, I guess, before attending uh, predominantly white schools. So, so are we talking, when you talk about um, schools, are you talking about your education starting when you were little to all the way through your um, matriculated through college? Or are you talking about like a specific uh, instance? So not from being like in elementary school. We both went to public, very, we'll talk about it in okay, our letters, yeah. of course, but public, like very diverse elementary schools. And Brianne actually did for middle school mm-hmm. as well. But I went to a very, very white uh, middle school. And then we both went to the, the same high school and, and we both went to the same same college, same musical theater program oh, really? in the same college. Yeah. And both predominantly white. So how far apart in age are you two? Three years, three weeks. Three years, three weeks apart. Amazing. And Angelisa, how old are you now? I'm 27. And Brienne? 24. Great. So I'm really excited. They're going to read each other's letters. So um, why don't we start with Angelisa's letter? So Brienne, you're going to be reading your sister's letter first. Have yes. you have you read her redder, letter already? Or are you going to read no. this cold? Um, I skimmed it before I wrote my letter because I was like, what do you mean? Like, what what do you want me to write about? Um, and then I, <laughs> so I like skimmed it. I don't remember anything, though. So kind Great. of cold. Yes. Great. Okay. I'm, I'm so excited. All right. Go ahead, All Brienne. Right. Dear Angelisa, you're 11 years old, and up until this point, your life has been generally pretty good. You you have been fortunate enough to be raised in a loving, supportive home surrounded by a variety of races and belief systems and a commitment to an open to open-minded thinking rooted in love. You have attended a public elementary school where you were, were immersed in a student body that was representative of all races and socioeconomic statuses. The teaching staff and curriculum were also extremely diverse and loving and championed every student's uniqueness and culture. However, in middle school, high school, college, this will all change. You enter a world of private Catholic schooling, a world that, in your case, is extremely overwhelmingly white. You are suddenly shockingly aware of race for the first time. Here are some things I wish I knew before I started the last 10 years of my academic career. Now, before we begin, like the full thing, so you transferred to a Catholic school starting in middle school? Yeah, in seventh grade, seventh grade. So I don't know if you would have heard of this. Um, Have you ever heard of the DC sniper shooting? It was like the year after 9-11. So I did refresh my memory and our listeners' memories on that. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was this sniper. um, It was this man and his, oh, I want to say stepson or nephew. I could be wrong. I was like in fifth grade when this happened. But um the whole like DMV area, so DC, Maryland, Virginia area, he and this kid basically drove through it, killed 
people oh my God. sniping them or seriously injured them. So um, at that point where I live, we're, we're from Maryland. So at that mm-hmm. point where we lived, um, there was one middle school for the district of our city um, and one public middle school. And one of the shootings actually happened there. So that was when I was in fifth grade and um, it was a pretty big uh, city. It is a pretty big city too. And um, it was also at like 150% over capacity. And I had like taken placement tests for this private Catholic school that was affiliated with our church. And um, my mom said that it was up to me. Like I didn't have to go there if I didn't want. And I was like, I think I don't want, like I thought about it for a while. I was like, I think I don't want to go to it. I think I'd rather go to public school and be able to be with my friends. Um, But then she, I don't know. She had, she got stressed. She frequently, made the executive decision which my mom would totally have done as well uh but that's crazy i need to look more of look about because you know we think about that time of our lives especially because yeah we're the same age so i was in fourth grade when Mm -hmm. 9-11 happened so i would have been in fifth grade when that that Mm -hmm. same thing happened and i don't remember any of that but i truly remember 9-11 but that's also something that is probably ingrained in both of your brains as kind of a core memory of it happening and that being so close to you so for sure i was literally like two blocks away from where that shooting happened at the middle school at the time like i was in the car with my mom and my brother and she was like get out of your seats get down on the ground because she heard it on the radio um it was scary We had like police escort in the school for a couple of months. It it was crazy, especially because it was pretty much a year to the the month yeah. of nine eleven. So um, like, so, like 9/11 happened high, fourth grade, everyone's already freaked out about stuff, and then this happens in your own community, and you're ugh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what your parents thought just like to to send your kids away every day and parents nowadays have that fear but to to have it happen in your backyard and know that that is a possibility I can't imagine and this is I mean that's coming from me who grew up on a very small island where it was very very white and nothing ever bad happened and so I can't imagine what my mom Susie would have done if there was a shooting down the street at the school all right yeah no and was not thrilled (laughs) All right. Number one, you will be viewed as different in quotation marks, and that's okay. I had like the same thing. Uh, Your whole life, you have been told that you are unique and special. You started talking early. You read very young. You started public speaking at age six, and you knew that you wanted to be an actor when you grew up by age seven. When you were five, you precautiously announced precociously announced to your elderly next door neighbor Wallace hey Wallace I'm something needless to say (laughs) you were an incredibly confident child and you thrived on the fact that you felt special and loved however when you enter middle school you're suddenly thrown into a world where conformity is key everyone wears uniforms everyone wears their hair the same way everyone dresses down in the same Hollister and Aeropostale and everyone is white you are painfully aware of how different you look and other students and teachers seem to be too you get the question what are you constantly you you notice that all the boys seem to only want to slow dance with the tan white brunettes with bone straight hair and tiny delicate features you get aggressively bullied by a teacher for no reason suddenly being different and special feels like a bad thing you feel like a fish out of water just like you do in high school and in college however please know that looking different and dressing different and being another race is not wrong you are different and that should be celebrated especially by you number one Wow. So what did, what did this teacher do? If you don't mind me asking you, I don't want to like re like bring up, you know, old past things that you probably have gotten over, but that's what we're here for. I'm I'm trying to be like better because I see all these posts. It's like you, you should that we we're supposed to be doing this research and we're, I'm, I'm trying, we're all trying to do this research, but I can't find certain answers to certain questions without posing the question. And I'm, and am I okay to pose the questions without like feeling like 
I am like saying something wrong. If I say something wrong, please be like, Brooke, never do that again. I swear. (laughs) Or like, Brooke, that's okay with me and you. And it's not okay with like some stranger on the street that you're having a conversation. And that's really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And right here right now, we are open and we are chill. This is a safe safe space. space. (laughs) Good. So tell me about this teacher and what happened. Um, So I was, uh, I guess it was like towards the end-ish of seventh grade. Um, she was the, my science teacher and she was the mom of a kid in my homeroom class. Um, this guy, Ryan. And I remember we were doing like a lab where we were dissecting frogs and I had left my lab packet that they had given that had like all the things that were just like leading you through the scientific process. Um, but I left it in our biology lab and I went back to get it but the lab teacher had thrown it out. And so I asked my teacher, like I sent her an email um, right away because I went after school and it was gone. Sent her an email right away saying, I lost this and it's gone um, because they had taken out the trash and everything. Is there a possibility I could get a new packet? And she tried to fail me for the whole thing um, by just saying that um, I, like, I didn't care and I was... I was haphazardly leaving my stuff everywhere. I was like the most conscientious, oh like goody two shoes. Maybe still am. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can vouch for and that. I, I mean, I was like <laughs> top of my class, like straight A student. Like I, I like doing things right and like being good. And it devastated me because it was like work that I had done. I just like couldn't finish, and she wouldn't give me a new copy. And it ended up. Uh, escalating like I I didn't tell my parents about it at first I don't think because I didn't want to like I felt like I was getting in trouble because this lady was yelling at me and I didn't want them to think Mm -hmm. that I had done something wrong and I was already stressed enough it ended up going to like our middle school vice principal and like she like basically said like this is incredibly out of line like I I'm so sorry that this is happening to you um and basically got the teacher to give me the work so I could just finish it. So this is, it was probably out of the teacher's norm to do that. And she was targeting, putting it on you. But because I see, I feel like yeah. a tough teacher and, you know, crack the whip very much that the vice principal wouldn't have gotten involved. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you know, Mrs. So-and-so is just like that. Like if you leave something yeah. behind it away, but clearly if it escalated that far, it was an isolated incident where it I've was never seen anything like this before. And like, I had her the next year for science too in eighth grade. And like in my um, experience and in anyone else I knew's experience, like nothing like that ever happened. Like she, that was like such a weird, bizarre, isolated incident. So I don't know like why, like my mom, that's what my mom was asking. Like, like why is yeah. she coming after you? Like, is it, I don't know. And I was friends with her son, like just like, chill friends like we got along well yeah. and I had never been anything but good so I don't know and I feel like it's especially for like people of color and people of different creeds and nationalities and gender identities and sexual orientation they they ask that question a lot is why like mm-hmm. why is a certain thing happening to me mm-hmm. and that's not something that I have to deal with in my life because I've never, I've had instances where I got, I got fired because I was a woman, but I, I knew, I knew that was it, but I've never had a, an instance where I thought maybe it's because I'm different than somebody. Maybe it's because I am the only person who is different in this classroom. Mm -hmm. I've never, I have never had to deal with that. Like I, and that's why I'm so glad you both are on the show because I don't, I don't know what that's like. I can sympathize and I can, I can kind of pretend like I feel like we I know what you're yeah. going through, but I don't, I, I, I can't feel it until you tell me what's happening. And so I, it's, Wait, it's just insane. Point, it's insane. But to, to your point, like for me, like now in life, like I feel that anytime I audition for a show, like, am I, do I not get cast or do I not get called back because of the way I present or like, I don't know. It's just something that like, and that, has actually happened to me. Um, yeah. Like, we know for a fact it has happened to her. Um, yeah, so I was auditioning for this production of um, Mamma Mia, and I kept getting called back and called back. And, like, 
nailing all of my auditions and all of my callbacks um, and like feeling just really good about everything. And I, it just kept getting put off and I like had to keep asking, Hey, um, I haven't heard anything from you guys. I just wanted to know the status because they told me that they were going to update me either way. Um, And it was getting close to when rehearsals were supposed to start. And so I emailed, I was like, Hey, um, so I haven't heard anything. And I was told that I would hear either way. Um, Do you have an update on the cast list and everything? And they were like, no, we're still finalizing the list. um, And we'll get back to you soon. Um, and Angelisa knows people who were asked, um, to like, asked to be a part of the production and they were just like, wait, it was like, they were just waiting to hear a yes or no from the other people, um, before they considered putting me into the show. Um, and you want to, this was months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was, was like months, like three or four months. Six long. months. Six, yeah, six months. Because it months was like July to, to January. Um, Jeez. Yeah, and yeah, and then like I heard from so many other people, or like every other person who was in the callbacks with her, because it was like for Allie and Lisa, right? Mm-hmm. You were called back for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I knew like a bunch of other people who were in the callback with her, and they kept, like like I got texts out of the blue saying. I just like had this callback with your sister and she was so good. Like she is definitely like going to be cast. And then the people who ended up being cast, like they're like perfectly like fine, but they were like, this theater has a reputation. It's a dinner theater has a reputation for casting super white, except for their black show in their season. And they were two like white girls that like everyone had said, like "Mm, they were fine at the initial audition, but Brianne and like one of our other black friends who like are really, really, really good. Like Mm -hmm. didn't get it. They wanted an all white cast. And if they couldn't have got it, that's when they would have put you in. Is that what you're thinking? Like what happened? Like they, that's what they wanted. And then you were the, just the, the backup, which is correct. <laughs> that's um, insane. Yeah. That's I've been part of another production where like I was the swing because I was black and like, I, to be honest, I probably shouldn't have been swinging that show in the first place because it was a Palestinian woman, but they went with the worst actor for that. That's a different story. That's weird. <laughs> I think actually now that I'm saying it out loud, um, <laughs> But the, the actor also wasn't Palestinian, but whatever. Um, and then- just, there needs to be a major change in theater um, because it's, I don't understand when people, especially, I'm really glad that the creators of Hairspray are now saying you cannot <laughs> watch the show. You're, that is, that is not available anymore, <laughs> like to be able to, and it's, and it's insane that they call it colorblind casting but when it's colorblind casting it is usually to colorblind to be white it's never colorblind to put like a black girl as Mm -hmm. cinderella like they did with brandy and it's not Mm -hmm. colorblind to put a black girl as sophie with a like a white mom it's never that they always put colorblind and then everything is white (laughs) like color conscious is a term i've seen floating around um recently this one theater what is Color conscious just says it's being aware of the actor's race when they are auditioning, when they are being approached and being mindful. Like, don't pretend that, like, yeah, you're you're black, but you're being cast in this traditionally right, white role. Um, and it's, it's just the same because it's not. It's a different world. It's a different experience. It informs your character mm-hmm. differently than if you're yeah. just, like, trying to emulate yeah. – the whoever originated that role, whoever white person originated that role. And um, and just like trying to be representative of the population of your audience as well um, and in your casting. Because people, I mean, people want to see people who look like them, but also people need to be exposed to um, different things. Right. Because you, you want to see somebody who you can relate to, but you also want to be able to follow somebody else's story that you wouldn't see right. on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. We, if we wanted a, if we wanted a normal basic theater, we'd all perform exactly. in our shower with a mirror. Like it's, we, we need more representation and a more colorful stage. 
of every kind, of every gender, all these different types of things. I don't know. I'm rambling on, but yeah. you get my point. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I was in a show where um, that took place in England a couple years ago, and it was actually amazing because we, I think our cast was like six people, and I was oh, actually yeah. uh, from a fake country. I, it was this uh, Harold Akron play. Um, but I was like from a country that like, was purely fictional and it like kind of worked. Like I had a different accent and everything. It was a very cool project. Um, but two of the guys in the show, um, two of the three were black and we had some talk backs and it was in Northern Virginia, a theater in Northern Virginia. And the audiences for the talk backs would always, always, always bring up the fact that there were two back then. They're like, oh, like, why did you take that liberty? They'd ask, like, why right. that was a choice. And we'd be like, what? Is there a black like this show is not like, about black people, like, like black what? versus white, so white or anything like, like that. Like, yeah. That's a choice you made? <laughs> a liberty? Like, it's, <laughs> oh, my God. And there's comments on the Washington Post review of people that were like, yeah, I thought it was a really great show, except for I don't understand to the represent to, like, what make the world looks these like today. Black. Oh, my God. They're like, I thought it, they were like trying to like say something they said with an interracial couple. And it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, geez. We're on number two, right? Number two. <laughs> All right. You will be tokenized within, within an inch of your life. You will suddenly become everyone's black, everyone's black friend. You will be the black girlfriend. When you go to a dance, everyone will applaud the fact that you have natural rhythm by saying you dance like a black girl when you get your first voice teacher in college he will have you sing and i'm telling you i'm not going because he's always wanted to have a student sing that song important note i am a very small 5'2 soprano there is no world where i should be singing a song written for a large huge voice black woman that's just wrong. wow <laughs> <laughs> it is overwhelming to be seen as the token you'll find yourself wondering if people only want to be friends with you or date you because you're black you feel like an exotic animal on display yes please know that those feelings are valid because tokenizing is covert racism and although the act of tokenizing is embedded in the structure of our country it is not okay and should be called out yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah i had another that whole thing is a big yikes <laughs> but this, <laughs> this section i just have yeah just yikes <laughs> just yikes i mean like at that point i barely belted like this is my first semester in my program and um because I transferred into the school and I transferred into the musical theater program um and, and my first school was maybe wider than my second but that's kind of why I left um but yeah this man he uh he had me sing that song and I was like what are you sure and I did because you know yeah. he was a teacher and he was like yeah I know I think this would be really great and I sang it in a voice lesson, and he's like, awesome. Oh. I'm like, no. Oh, my God. Like, I'm soprano mixed belt. Soprano, soprano. and she's tiny. Like, I am she's a small, a small human. And, uh, and I'm blonde. <laughs> Like you should be singing, um, like "Fly, Fly Away." Like the to, when they talk about like the in the midst of all the glamazons is the one girl, you know, from "Catch Me If You Can." And there's Angelisa walking out, tiny little <laughs> five five. Would you say you're five two, five three? Yeah. And five, she's five one and three quarters. Approaching, approaching. Very important to Angelisa. <laughs> but that's so crazy, and that yeah. and it makes 
sense as to what, how that can convert to being completely racist because you're just using that person yes. because yes, you always wanted a student to sing it, but you you have a beautiful black soprano, a soprano. You don't sing that song. That's not right for your range. It's not right for your type. Like you, it's At not. All. not doesn't well, matter of the 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 color it just it, you just yeah. like I would yeah. sing that before yeah. you and I still can't sing that pretty small too I'm still pretty small oh my gosh I have so this whole quarantine I've been binging dance moms uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and I like and I especially watching it, you know, um, after so much has I've done so much research and done so much reading and have listened to stories and just watching Abby Lee, whatever faces, uh, uh-huh. berate Nia, who's the little one little black girl in the company, mm-hmm. and helps her do things like Laquifa and like my hair and like stuff like that. And she's like, why don't I ever get to do these pretty contemporary numbers mm-hmm. like Maddie gets to do? And she's mm-hmm. like, it's because you're ethnic, you're special, you're blah, blah, blah. And but that was just racially profiling this little girl and not allowing her to be the person and the dancer she was meant to be by doing these beautiful graceful numbers and was just pinning her as Laquifa and asked her mother if she had an afro on her like it was Abby goes so Nia's doing this number called Laquifa, which Laquifa is like a drag queen and is, yeah. is like amazing, like whatever. And um, but she goes, so Nia's going to need an Afro. Do you have one? And and Holly's like, like on me. And she's like, yeah. And she goes, sorry, I changed my purses out today. No, I don't have an Afro on me. Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. What? Wow. Oh, man. But, you know, at. Dance Moms has been canceled because of the racist stuff that Abby Lee Miller has said. Yeah, so. that lady's crazy. I remember watching that like in college with my friends and I, there's only so much I can take. There's only so much. And I just like, my whole face was like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And the fact that it's taken now to kind of um, see this as wrong is what's wrong with our current past. Mm-hmm. Like, like, even just six months ago, how wrong people were speaking and how wrong people were thinking. And now it's being corrected. Mm-hmm. We're in 2020. Maybe, maybe like, corrected. Maybe being corrected. There's still terrible people who are posting stuff online and then losing their lives, which they should because they're posting shit online and mm-hmm. thinking it. So they should lose their lives. Fine, post it, do it, say it. So we can take you out of your colleges, we can take you out of your jobs, and we can get people in there who actually give a shit and who preach. deserve to be there. Correct. And who are good preach, yes. preach, preach. <laughs> yes. We're all, all yes. to save the world. <laughs> One podcast at a time. It's One podcast The voice of the revolution. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number three. Number you. three. You, you are not half anything. When people ask the dreaded what are you question, you start off saying that you're black and white. When they're then confused, you clarify by saying your mom is white and your dad is black. Then they say, oh, so you're half black. No, you're not. You are fully black. You're also fully white. There's no line down the middle of your body divide dividing the black and white sides. Don't let anyone erase or minimize your identity. Yeah. So our mom's like super white. Like she's like 100%, 100% Irish. Her <laughs> maiden name is Aunt Murphy. Like she is so oh white. God. She's this cute little white woman. Um, she's an <laughs> angel. We love our mom. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. But was your mom ever asked when you were little babies? Like whose kids are My those? dad was asked about My dad... Yeah, because oh, really? our dad's black, and or yeah, uh, I've been asked if I'm adopted. Yeah, no way. Many times, like it's not a one-time thing. Many. The times. crazy thing yeah. is, though, like we have two younger brothers too, and then we have an older half brother and an older half sister who are actually full black. But um, 
like we all look alike. Like we all look so much alike, Mm -hmm. but like sometimes people are shocked that Brienne and I are related at all. Like we worked before I moved to New York, we worked at the same like couple of fitness studios, like Orange Theory and F45 and Brienne still works there. Oh, yeah. And we'll be working with people for months, the same people. And then they'll find out, like, months into working with us that we're sisters. And they're like, But you're black what? and you're white. Because I am so light. And you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so crazy. My boyfriend and I, who is uh-huh. um, half Vietnamese and um, half white, he, we were watching a documentary and there was a part where they were talking about there was a, um, a guy who had a black father and a um, Hispanic mother. And they said, when you, they said, when you're brought up in this community, you always kind of, you pick one. And do you find that to be true or false? Because that's what, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what they just said in the documentary. I asked Michael and he, I think I, he said, I think I picked the culture of being a white boy rather than the Vietnamese culture, but I always just identified as that. And we didn't have Vietnamese culture in my life much. But um, as and that's totally different being half Vietnamese than to being a black woman. There's this totally different. But I wanted to ask you guys if you felt that as well, where you you kind of pick a culture. You said you feel you are both. I feel like you are white. Go ahead. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, yes, I have picked. But like back and forth. And it really is like dependent Mm -hmm. on who I'm with like and which is like bad in and of itself like I talk about this in my letter a bit of like identity has always been a huge struggle for me um because like going into high school like it's all white people and then like a tiny group of black people that just stick together the whole time um like all through high school um and I was friends with multiple different races throughout high school but like not super close with anyone at the same time. So I would like have my white friends who like tokenize me as their black friend. And I would probably act a bit more uh, stereotypically white around them. Mm -hmm. And then I would get with my black friends who I was their tokenized white friend um, and act maybe a little more stereotypically black around them. And um, I don't know. And that's been something that I struggled with all through high school um, and even into college. And only recently have I started like becoming like my own person and like realizing that this has been happening my whole life. Um, this mm-hmm. little like seesaw back and forth thing um, and like correcting that and just trying to be just who, being your being, being Brienne yeah, rather than yeah. being and a, like a, a white girl or a mm-hmm. black girl, Brienne who I'm is just Brienne. amazing and perfect the way you are. Thank like, you. I try. <laughs> And what do you think about it, Angeliza? I I feel like pretty similarly. Like I I feel like I have always been like fairly adaptable based on the situation and the people that I'm around. Um, and I just kind of like chameleon my way to. That. I mean, like I don't feel like I'm. I don't feel like I'm putting something on when I'm with different groups of mm-hmm. people because it's all me. It's just. It like, just kind of comes out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, more of one side of you comes out. Yeah, I mean, okay. it has to do with the company that I'm in. It has to do with the space that I'm in. Um, and, yeah, I mean, definitely since, like, I was, what, like, 11, like, I've been just, like, kind of thrust into more predominantly white spaces. Um, but then, like, I also mm-hmm. did a show at Howard, um, which is a HBCU, uh, a historically black college yeah. university um, when I was a junior in college and I was just around like black people all the time. It felt like so, so good. And so normal, like it, it, it's, I don't know. And I, I, other like groups I've worked with and like friends that I have, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like me, but I, I do know, like I have always felt this as a mixed person, but then I also know that I have like black friends that are like, kind of the same like they but it's like sorry to bother you have you seen sorry to bother you I don't think so okay um highly recommend it's uh well it's weird so if you're into some weird like avant-garde stuff uh yeah that's a good movie but um 
the main character, like he talks in his white voice and he'd be like, oh, sorry to bother you. But, and like trick everyone into thinking that he's white over the phone. Um, and it, uh, yeah, like, I feel like all black people experience that to some level, but I feel like white people probably don't. I mean, you can probably speak more to that, but you don't feel like if you're with black people, you have to like, like absorb like blackness. (laughs) No, no, because it's not, it's not part of who I am. I appreciate the culture and I appreciate everything they, they tell me and that we talk about, but I, it's not something that I have to ebb and flow between. And if in a perfect world, would you still like to ebb and flow with the different cultures and the different races? Or would you just want kind of everything to be just Angelisa all the time, just Brianna all the time and have no separation in your perfect just, world? Just be me. <laughs> I just want to be me. And I yeah. want people to accept me for me and appreciate that I am my own person and not whatever they want me to mold into based off of my surroundings. And not worry about being too black or too white um, for certain groups of people. Because it's like, no matter what, it's who I am. But um, there was a time, like kind of on the point of this, like when when I, like, I think I said it a couple, or you said it a couple points ago. But like when I'd be like dancing at a dance and people would be like, oh, those Oh, yes. (laughs) Even now, like, or not right now, but like. Prior to quarantine, when we're dancing at bars and everything, like, I go out with friends and it's the same thing. Like, like I'm a good dancer. <laughs> like, thank, thank you for noticing, but don't make it about yeah, your race. Yes, about don't my, make it about my race. I remember um, one time a couple of years ago, I was at my friend's wedding and um, one of my friends from high school and someone else who I went to high school with was there and um, someone said... Haha, <laughs> Angelisa, so, like, look at those black girl moves. And, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm uh, at a wedding, dancing, like, whatever. And um, she, I'm like, I mean, I am black. And this other girl looks at me and she goes, <laughs> totally. And I'm like, girl, you've known me for <laughs> like seven <gasps> years at this point. Like, you've known me so long. Like, and you, white girl, don't get to like decide that I'm not black. I don't know. It really stuck oh, with me. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I like remember the face. It's like one of those like burned into me like core memories. Core memories. Mm-hmm. Core memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Core memories. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a, a disgust. Mm-hmm. Yes, core exactly. <laughs> Inside out. <laughs> All right. All right. Number four. Number four. Yeah. Oh, this is a big one. Um, Your hair is beautiful. When you go to middle school, you are stunned to realize that everyone has straight hair. You don't. You have a lot of blonde, naturally super curly and coiled and frizzy, resistant hair that you, or yeah, resistant hair that you wore in four to eight braids for most of your childhood. High school and college were no different. You discover flat irons about a month into seventh grade, and you spend the next 10-plus years cooking your hair into straight submission at 450-degree heat for one to two hours every morning and even longer post-wash on the weekends. On the rare occasion you do wear your hair natural to school, everyone touches it without asking. A friend tells you she loves your ramen noodle hair. Comments like that will make you too insecure to wear your hair natural in public again. People tell you that your hair is fun, soft, a pillow, frizzy, poofy, a puffball, crazy, big, huge, the list goes on. Little Angelisa, if you could take away all of your hot tools and if I could take away all of your hot tools and ban you from chemically altering your hair, I would in a heartbeat. I would save you so many hours of sleep, fear of sweating, fear of the rain, money, and years of being uncomfortable with how you were created because society told you that you were created incorrectly. But that's BS because you were created wonderfully and your hair is beautiful. When you're 27, you'll finally look in the mirror and be able to honestly tell yourself that your natural hair looks way better than your flat iron hairs ever could. I wish you could have been able to do that earlier. Black hair is beautiful even when it's blonde. Wow. 
This is maybe the biggest microaggression I have faced throughout my whole entire life. Like even in elementary school, before I went to predominantly white school, when I would have my braids, um, like sometimes like my friends on the playground, I would have like pigtails here, 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 which so like four quadrants of my head. And people would come up to me and like my friends, like as we were playing and go, oh, you got the ding dong hair, ding dong. And they would like pull on my braids. And like, they were my friends. And like, they didn't mean anything buy it because we were like seven but like core memory yeah. you know <laughs> um i don't know i made a whole igtv that's like way 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 too long it's like 22 minutes long it's just me rambling about um hair discrimination and hair racism that i have faced so much of in my life and that like i know that other people have too because of all the like eurocentric beauty standards right and um, I know it's like, it's so beautiful. Your hair is an amazing natural color. That's your natural hair color, right? That you have right now. Like it's not highlighted. Yeah. There's no like anything. I did have it a little bit at the beginning of quarantine because I wanted to uh, do like rose gold hair, but then they were sold out. So I wanted to like make it like lighter, but this is my hair color in the summer anyway. Like my hair yeah. like naturally gets super, super light. In the right. Sun. And um, do, you, do you feel like being a black woman with naturally blonde hair, do you um, have any like specific moments of somebody being not realizing you were black because of it, not um, respecting you because of it um, either in a white community or a black community because of your, your blonde hair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's maybe my most personally, one of my most challenging things because like I am really like, and I have green eyes, I, but then, and I have blonde hair, but then, like, other than that, like, I, all my features, my facial features are black, and, like, my hair texture is, like, so, so black, and I've had to learn so much about my hair, but, yeah, I've had people, like, especially when I would straighten my hair all the time, like, all these white people would be like, you're not black, like, you, like, look at your hair, because, like, I have a lot of, like, long blonde hair it shrinks a lot when it's curly but it like when I'm flat iron it it's really long and I'd be like oh you look like I'd get you look like Regina George all the time or Rachel McAdams like every time I straighten my hair and so people would be like oh you can't look like her and be black she's not black right and then like I don't know I always felt like I can't or felt like feel like still I can't wear like certain hairstyles like protective hairstyles um I did wear my hair in cornrows like every summer for like from when I was like four till when I was like 10 or so. And I look damn cute too. But I felt like with my coloring, it, I didn't want to like offend anyone. I got my hair braided. My cousin, when my cousins took me to this hair braiding shop like a year ago because I just like wanted to add my bachelorette party and I didn't want to worry about my hair while we were like on a boat in Annapolis or whatever else we were doing. I just didn't mm -hmm. want to have to think about my hair during this trip. And I ended up taking it out in part because they messed it up and it was too tight, but mostly because like once it was in, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like I had like major imposter syndrome, even though it's me and who I am. I just feel uncomfortable like wearing these hairstyles that are supposed to protect my hair and yeah part of like my culture right do you think that um you know going forward after you know so much um talk has been going on with all communities and everything do you think you'll be a little more comfortable showing doing your hair in a um you said it, the protective way is that what you're that is that the right yeah, terminology yeah. the the yeah protective style your hair mm -hmm. the style the protecting styles do you think you'll you'll go forward and do a little more or do you are you still feeling that you might be uncomfortable because of your light skin I, I don't know I like I think like I'll feel maybe more comfortable but still uncomfortable if that makes sense like I never wore my hair yeah. down curly until like right after my 25th birthday I was too uncomfortable because I felt like my hair like when it was down it like the shape of it was just like I didn't feel like I was dark enough to be allowed to wear my hair like that 
which is so stupid. And like so many people were like, just wear your hair. But it was like a very, very big deal. I saw a show with um, Brianne and my husband, or my husband, but Peter <laughs> um, that night. And I just remember just like being so like, so uncomfortable and like, of what? I'm not sure, but I just was so nervous. But Brianne has always been better about wearing her natural hair out than I have been, but I wore it in ponytails. No, I just get lazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I have the same struggles that you do. Like I get uncomfortable. Well, not the exact same because you are lighter in color than I am mm -hmm. and your hair is blonde, mine is black. Um, so it's not the exact same, but I do get and still do get uncomfortable wearing my hair um, out completely. Um, my curls are even tighter than Angelise's are. And so it shrinks even more. Um, and yeah, sometimes when I'm out, like I'll like leave the house and I'm like, okay, it looks okay. Um, it's not too big. Um, like it's big enough, but it's not too big, but like I'll get out and it will start to like dry all the uh, way. Cause like my hair takes years to dry. Um, but like, as it dries, it just starts getting larger and shorter. And then I'm, I'll look, I'll like see myself in a window uh, walking by like uh, my reflection and I'll be like oh no I can't have my hair out like this in public or whatever and like that still happens today and it's still something I'm struggling with for sure but I and I, I have gotten a lot better at yeah. it like Brianne's wrapped some good like yeah. braids in her time and has loved it but yeah our youngest brother actually he's always worn his hair curly 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 and like his hair was like maybe his defining feature physical feature his hair is like mine but like it was like a, a massive thing and now he rocks it he loves it he's 21 and it's it, well he cut it all off but um and until he cut it off like it was like a thing like yeah. people love it but he mm -hmm. I've absorbed a lot of the hate that he's gotten for his hair like he used to want me to cornrow his hair for his birthday every year um and it was like always in the middle of basketball season. It was always so much easier to like have the corners and he wanted that. So I would do it. Mm -hmm. And then one year he came home from school and he was like, can you take it out? And I think he was like maybe in like fifth grade or something. And he wouldn't tell us what happened, but like somebody has said something to him at school about it, but people caught his hair is like a, a brownish color. It's like somewhere in between ours. It's like a dirty blonde. Yeah. And um, people, like, call him, like, dirty Q-tip and stuff like that. So, like, mm -hmm. I, I, like, think that on some level, like, I worry, like, people are, like, blatantly saying these things to him. Like, what are people thinking of me? And, like, I don't know. I also have had, like, a thing where I feel like my hair, when I wear it natural, I look fatter, um, which is, like, dumb. But, like. Insane because you're both so fucking tiny and ripped and. <laughs> Not Everything I hope always. and dreamed no, me. No. no. <laughs> but like, I mean, you worked at Disney. Um, and like, I've had 12 billion friends work at Disney. And I almost worked at Disney at one point. But like, there's no Disney princess until Merida. But there's no Disney princess who like has like natural hair and rocks the hair. Like even Tiana, her hair is like always yeah. sleek and styled. Uh, yep. But even it's, with Merida, like her hair is so different. long. It's long. And it's red she's a yeah. white girl it's she's it's all white. very different like it's it, I I would love to see him you know Moana Moana now has that mm -hmm. that hair but I would I would love to see um either a um mixed race uh princess or a black princess yeah. with her natural hair like yeah. now is the time to do it and tiana like, exists as a black princess great but her hair is pulled it, back the entire time so she time. always looks like, flawless they, they, i don't know yeah do that like looks perfect it's such a great movie and such a and i love the message but i also hate that she spent like 90 percent of the movie as yeah, a frog same. oh yeah but the music's really good. <laughs> well, the music is... Uh, we'll oh. make a black princess, but you won't see her as a black princess. Yeah. But <laughs> even, like, our black Barbies that we had um, had straight hair. Straight hair. Yeah. Hair discrimination is such a thing. And it's also legal to discriminate... Um, or hair discrimination is legal. Uh, you can discriminate against someone for hair texture or style in 45 of 50 states. Mm -hmm. That's insane. That is insane. Yeah. That is insane. So, 
me. And she's yes, just been told awesome. that she is, she looks unprofessional because her, because of her natural hair. Yeah. At a temp job I had once. Yeah. And oh. an orange theory member told me one day, um, that I had, I think I had a show the night before and like, I was just like wearing my hair. Like, I think I like literally woke up, like did something and like my hair was down. I think it was like my third class of the morning. And, um, I'm just going to throw it out there. Her hair looked great. Um, yeah, thank you, before thank you. you get going with this, go ahead. But he came in and, thank you. It's, this is a good moment right now. Um, but he came in class, like as they're like high-fiving me on their way into the studio. And he was like, oh, so we're rock- we're rocking the sideshow Bob hair today. And I was like, what? And I wish it didn't <laughs> bother me as much as I did, but this was a couple months ago. Like this was in October and it like really hurt my heart. I don't know. I was thinking about it the whole class and then after, and then I told um, some of our like white coworkers after and they were like horrified. And then I like, I was going to a show that night and I was telling like the people that I was in my carpool with, um, like, Hey, so this happened today. Crazy. Right. And like, they didn't understand or like one of them didn't understand like what was offensive about that. So we had a conversation. It was very productive, but I don't think that man, he's really nice. I don't think he meant it any harm, but it's still like, but it's little things like that, that people have to be mindful of. Um, and the thing is, is that a white woman wears her hair naturally. Like I wear my hair in a, like this all the fucking time. And nobody says shit to me because, because it's just, it's, it, you just don't say anything, but I feel like, because black women and their hair is so important that and like is so beautiful and and different that it like people think it's okay to yeah. like make yeah. snide comments like that. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me why somebody would find that okay to right. Well, I mean it's never okay to be unkind, but like it, it's just like tapping on a nerve. Like Brienne, when she first started flat ironing her hair, she burned it all off. Yeah. Like I'm still recovering. Like- let, let me tell you, I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> she was like 12. I burned oh it God. off like that. It was so short, but there were like strings of long hair. It's disgusting. There are some pictures. Ew. Oh my God. Um, and she had to like cut, cut it all off. But like, so my straight hair was like to like right below my chin. Um, so my natural hair was like up against my head basically yeah. um and there are so, some really yeah. excellent pictures from that time <laughs> yes there are <laughs> um but yeah so i would never wear my hair curly for the majority of high school like and that's why my hair is still recovering from that time because i hated how short it was i just wanted it to grow but also i was burning it off the whole time yeah. um she had put on the email counterproductive. You were burning it off, but you were wanting it to get longer yeah, and longer. Yeah, it just a terrible process. Of I had a relaxer when I was terrible 10. timing for that process too. Yeah, I had a relaxer when I was ten, which is like a reverse perm, a chemical thing. Um, it burned like my temples. It burned all the hair off. So I was bald there until like five, six years ago. And now the hair is just like super oh baby fine there. It's there, but like, no, no, the pressure. Our poor mother, honestly, she does not have hair remotely like ours. And um, she learned yeah. a lot for us. And she learned how to braid and she could, she cornrowed our hair and took care of our hair. And like, we cannot give our dad any credit on that front because one time my dad combed my hair and I remember it was only one time. It was the most painful thing. And I have a very hard head. So, oh my gosh, he, uh, he, he did not know what he was doing. So, <laughs> yes. mom cut yes. the hair. All right. Yeah. All right, what number are we oh, We're at number five. <laughs> we're getting there. Um, don't feel pressured by everyone's assumptions about what blackness is. In college, when you asked the head of your program why you weren't considered for the black ensemble of Finian's Rainbow, especially since they had to fill out the black cast with students from Howard University, he laughs and says, you're not black. When you say you actually are, he says, oh, sorry, you didn't seem black to me. Yeah. What? He said that? That's so bad. Okay, sorry, I'm going to keep going. Unfortunately, during school, you realize that many people 
associate blackness with being inarticulate, urban, loud, from the ghetto, and ratchet. But none of that is true. Blackness is just as diverse as whiteness. So when white people tell you that you're not black enough, challenge them by asking them to explain what exactly that means. Don't let them make you feel like a strong, like a stranger in your own race. So we kind of talked about that already, but yeah. Yeah. I have somebody to tell you what you are and what you're not. That man was not a great man, but I will say the program has been majorly overhauled um, since we were there. Um, That was maybe like my sophomore year of college. So it's, it's been a while, but um, he no longer works there. That man, he, um, one of Brian's friends actually, um, who was black. Brian had the most black people in her musical theater class. I was the only black they person. Were all in my yeah. <laughs> but Brian, <laughs> Brian had like thir- four, four people, four black people in your class. Yeah. 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 Um, but and- I, I was the only one. No, five eventually because of John. Oh, right. Three of us were mixed though. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But he, um, one of Brian's friends actually brought a Title IX suit against the man who said that to me oh, wow. on, like, racism. There are a lot of students who have had – black students who have gone through the program who have had, like, very challenging experiences or who have left. Um, so um, wow. the program's not like that now. But I, in my discussions of different MT programs with other people, um, the people of color, especially, like – it's not, that's not isolated to just the program we were in. Like, um, that's consistent. Right. It happens, still happens outside of theater programs yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In professional. Yeah, it's just a microcosm of the actual world. So. Yeah. I mean, even in my program in Kent, Ohio, we had in my class two black kids, one boy, one girl. And then um, in the grade above, um, I believe there was none. Um, I think I'm like trying to remember, uh, but it was very heavily. Yeah. I think two years above yeah, me, there were, heavily. there wasn't anyone. I think when I started, there was a senior, think, a sophomore, and then me. We were the only black people, and there were a couple like Hispanic people, um, but mm-hmm. not. And yeah, there were two Hispanic people in my class. One was no, one Hispanic, one was Brazilian, but. Um, until Brianne's class started, which Brianne's class was, you guys were freshmen when I was a senior. Like, We were the most diverse. We had two Asians and four Black people. Out That's of, the most diverse yeah. musical theater class yeah, I've ever but heard. But out of it's 26 a huge kids to start. Yeah, no, the most diverse class I've ever That's a big class. My class was not that big. Yeah. yeah. It shrank for sure, and we lost some of our diversity. With as far them, as but. I know, in the overhaul of the program, like it's it's a lot better. I don't know the nitty gritty. So, like, if anyone's listening and applying for schools, still apply to Catholic. Catholic's still a good music program, um, and it's it's better now than when we were there. <laughs> better than it was. Yeah. Cool. It's good. At least it's better, not worse. <laughs> All right. Uh, Number six, call out covert racism. If a statement, situation, joke, or assumption hurts you or makes you feel uncomfortable, your feelings are valid. You do not have to grit your teeth and smile while people are being racist towards you. It doesn't matter if they didn't mean it like that or if they're generally good people. Nothing gives another human being the right to be racist, whether they're a teacher or peer. You're allowed to feel comfortable and safe in this world. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that like, especially in high school, I don't know why, but, like, people would make racist jokes all the time, and, like, they were truly just meant to be jokes, but they were One of my friends called me Oreo throughout all of high school, um, which was meant as a loving nickname, but it was because of my mixed race. race. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm not gonna lie when I've, you know, have joked with some when I worked at Disney, we had um, a few black technicians and they joke with me and I would joke with them. But now looking back on the things that I either said to them or like would participate in, I would I think I would take a step back and be like, maybe I shouldn't say those right. things. Yeah. Now. 
um, and not realizing that participating in something that maybe I shouldn't have participated in and I, I should have just kind of allowed them to to banter and I shouldn't have interjected yeah. because that's not my right as, and I, I should just, I, not saying I should stand and appreciate, but um, there are some things I'm sure I've said in the past that are not okay and not realizing they're not okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's true of everyone in any yeah. situation, right. but just like specifically like in terms of race, like, like I remember like my ex-boyfriend, one of my ex-boyfriends, he like, was chock full of racist jokes and like truly like didn't mean it, but like that's not okay. And then um, this also kind of goes into the thing. Like I have so many friends that um, they'd be like, like especially after school, like people I went to school with, they'd be like, "Oh, it sucks that like I'm not getting cast in anything, and you are." And the reason yeah. is because you're more interesting, and like ethnic is in, and like oh, these theaters are trying to like show that they're woke, and you're so lucky. And I'm like, no, I, I just work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> One of my mentors, on that note, has told me before to my face, "Oh, you don't have to try very hard. You look interesting when you walk into a room. Like that's going to catch their attention, anyways. So you don't have to do much work." And I'm like, "That's not We're like that's chat. not right." Like, and the thing is, is that even theater now, like, yeah, it's they're becoming more. Um, they're they're casting more people of color in predominantly white roles, like you know Anna and Elsa and Frozen and all this stuff, but the cast of these these uh shows are still predominantly mm-hmm. white like it's not like they're you know they're doing an all black cast of frozen which would be amazing i would watch it but it's like they're not it's not like you're they're saying oh white is yeah. out like there's there's still opportunities to be had you just got to yeah. work hard for them you can't just rely on anna being white because she's yeah. white in the movie now like it's it's just stupid to say that you know you just walk in a room and you because you're interesting looking or because you're black you're gonna get seen for all these roles because Mm -hmm. theaters are woke now like Mm -hmm. no it's time to to put these people to put you guys in these roles that you were meant to play and you're talented enough to play them and you're gonna beat all these people because you're talented not because you're black you're gonna beat them because you have the voice you have the talent you have the technique you have the training you have the dance you have all this stuff and they're gonna, you're gonna beat them yeah. because you're fucking talented, not because you look pretty on stage. Like, yeah, it's no. Um, well, yeah. our cousin uh, was in Mean Girls, right? And one of our back cousins. And so we were at what was it, the Mean Girls Day party thing? Yeah, for yeah, the, yeah, the first year thing. of Mean Girls yeah. Day. And um, we were talking mm-hmm. to someone who is in the cast. I'm not going to say who. Um, there are a couple of people that we were friends with in the cast. And we were talking to someone um, who was black um, and covered a bunch of roles. And she was telling us that she had to essentially, like, like work like four times as hard to just get to go on for those roles and she'd be like yeah so and so has been out so many times and they always call white girl one or white girl two to go on when her credits alone are like insane the 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 black girl's credits alone are like crazy insane and she's had principal contact yeah not to mention she's so talented so so beautiful so Um, so, and she's just like yeah she's like yeah this world sucks like we got to talking about it because she had done a lot of theater in dc and we had a lot of um mutual contacts and um directors and things and and she yeah and she just was like yeah no this is the world out here she's like i know one day you're gonna move up here so i just want you to know like what is going on and like our cousin hasn't like we haven't like yeah. discussed it in yeah with her a ton um yeah but um but she was there during this conversation like, she's like yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah it it's it is a it's it's a combination of unconscious bias yeah. and also conscious bias mm-hmm. on these producer teams and management teams yeah. that that do this to performers who are un 
freaking godly talented who deserved to be on that stage pretty much more than a lot of other people. And they don't get the opportunity because maybe yeah. they, be, yeah. because they're not white. I'm just going to say it, because they're not white. They don't get the, the opportunities to do it because they're not white. And she is so good. Like and they're not going to please the, okay. the, the bum fuck Karen who's coming from Wisconsin, who wants to see the show and wants to see the white girl in the main role because she's mm-hmm. white because mm-hmm. she wants to see what she knows on stage. Mm-hmm. Like we have said, mm-hmm. if you want to see what you know on stage, go put a mirror in your shower and sing in your shower and have <laughs> it perform that way. Go party! Go party in the shower. Put a microphone in there. I don't care. Yeah, Get a lecture. put on the best shower concerts, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. let's finish the sucker. Yeah. Number seven, use your light skin privilege for good. You're pale to the point that people ask you if you're an albino black girl, which is rude. You're a blonde, you're blonde and green eyed. It's messed up, but a lot of white people, particularly those who have only been part of predominantly white communities, see you as a more accessible version of blackness. You're not threatening because of your fair complexion. Use this privilege to your advantage. Call out Call people out for their racist jokes, statements, and assumptions. Educate people about what is wrong with race relations in our country. In college, work for equality in your super, super white program. Advocate for yourself and for your race. Call out the racism of your high school administrators when a white boy calls one of your few black friends a bunch of racial slurs and the white guy gets suspended and the black guy gets asked to leave because he defended himself. Use your power to take systemic racism down from the inside out. Little Angeliza, life is, it's hard. Life is hard. And it's difficult to be in the oppressed minority in, in school and in the world. It's challenging to accept you are experiencing racism, and it's even more challenging to battle against it. Being a Black woman in America is hard. Just please know that you are full of Black girl magic, and no one can take that away from you. Love, <laughs> me, Angeliza. Oh, black girl magic. Explain explain black girl magic to me. Oh, black girl <laughs> magic. Hashtag black girl magic. Yes. It's just the celebration of blackness and being a black girl and everything comes with it. Um, from the hair to the, the face to the, the booty or lack thereof. Um, it's just, just your skin, the color of your skin and the richness of being black. And just being a part of that culture um, as a woman, too, and, like, and all of us just experiencing it together. Um, Because sometimes, like, this episode is clearly displaying, it's hard, but we're all in it together. um, And we're all able to advocate for each other. Um, We're in a bunch of um, Black theater groups on Facebook, and uh, one of them is called Black Girl theater magic and it's just a really nice place to be and uh generally it's pretty positive like it's just like people lifting each other up or helping each other out and like there's just like an unspoken sense of community that hair tips hair tips theater (laughs) hair tips all of this oh my god um but yeah there's an unspoken sense of community that comes with being black it's like you you look at someone else in the eye and you're like we're here. I'm nodding. Yeah. We're here. We saw that. We heard that. We're together. We we feel. And again, being black is just as diverse as being white. But I don't know. It's also like it's just also a loving community. Um that everyone is going through all of the same shit together. Like in different ways, but together, um, and that there's something just so powerful about that that brings us all closer to one another. Dear listener, support for this podcast comes from you. Just for taking a chance on a new podcast, have a suggestion for a letter, or do you want to write one yourself? Email us at dearmelovemepodcast at gmail dot com. All dear me love me art is created by Julie Eccles. Thank you, Julie. Music is composed and produced by Connor Simpson. Follow us on all the gross social media sites we have.